You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, it is 1030 Central on a Sunday night here in Iowa, and uh I am just finishing up the editing of this podcast. Most of you guys are going to be listening to this on a Monday. I know just as much as you do that if you're at a 9 to 5, or me, I'm at a, a 6 to 2.30 job. And uh, sometimes, man, those can really suck. Hopefully, this podcast brings a little happiness, a little joy to your otherwise gloomy day. Um I, I don't know about you guys, but I sit in a cubicle all day long, and it really, there's days where it just tears on me, but uh, I do it, got to feed the family, and uh, there's that. I know you guys are doing the same thing. Today, we have a kick-ass podcast with a gentleman who hunt grew up in western New York, recently moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, his first year ever hunting a brand new piece of public hunting property in Ohio, he's able to land a booner. Uh, so uh, very cool story, a uh, little luck involved with this one, but as we all know, uh, luck does play a part in, uh, in bow hunting. I can uh, attest to that firsthand. Other than that, we have a I mean, it's, it's a kick-ass podcast. You're going to love it, Hunter Profile. But uh, a little recap of the weekend. Uh, as some of you know, I attended the Quality Deer Management Association Convention down in New Orleans this weekend. Uh, I was invited by uh, our good friend Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, and uh, I was up on a stage with him and uh, a, a new friend. Uh, this is my first time meeting him. Andy May, who is a big buck killer in out of Michigan, and uh, he hunts several different states. But the the theme of our discussion uh, on the platform that we were given, because uh, we spoke in front of a, a group of people, was taking adventures to other states. So later this week, that podcast. Um, for deer hunting obviously but later this week on thursday that podcast will launch so uh, be sure to head over to wired to hunt and uh, listen to that podcast it's going to be pretty kick-ass 
And, uh, yeah, New Orleans, man, 20 years ago, I was down there for a youth group uh, trip. I don't want to, I don't really want to talk shit on the city, but it is pretty dirty. And uh, I'll tell you, the last night uh, I was there, um, I couldn't get too rowdy because I had to catch a, a flight. At, um, I had to leave the hotel at five in the morning, made it to the airport. But uh, the night before, which would have been Friday night, we ended up going out for a little bit on Bourbon Street. And if you don't know what Bourbon Street is, it's in the French Quarter. It's a, like a historic district of uh, New Orleans. But it's basically Sodom and Gomorrah on steroids. It is disgusting. Like, I mean, it's just bars and bars and bars. There's some good places on it, like some good restaurants. But uh, it smelled like sewage and vomit. I didn't stay there too long. <laughs> but uh, we had a great time uh, down there. Got to meet some very, very hardcore um, deer managers and uh, um, some very interesting people from throughout the United States, not only with the uh, Quality Deer Management Association, but uh, others as well. So it's definitely something that uh, I'm going to be thinking about going next year. And um, yeah, so be sure to look out for that Wired to Hunt podcast. Now, I also went on a, I got some new trail cameras from Exodus and uh, I wanted to go put those out and take some of my older trail cameras down. And, uh, I pulled some, I pulled my cards today and, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very happy with what I've found uh, in the next couple days. I'll be posting some of those pictures to social media and, uh, showing you some of the bucks I'll be hopefully be chasing this year. I try not to get too excited when I post, when I get pictures of giants, because there is a good chance that as soon as the, somewhere around mid-September, there's a shift. And as the deer start to strip their velvet, there must also be a food source change because there's a shift on the property. And all the bucks either go back to their fall ranges or um, they switch to a different part of the farm. And uh, then it takes a while to relocate them. So um, I fight that shift every year. It's something that, uh, you know, that has made it's made me realize that uh, food sources play a huge role in um, where deer live and cover and all that stuff. And uh, as the season starts to want, you know, September happens, there's a shift. So I try not to get too excited of what I get on trail cameras uh, this time of year, as far as pictures are concerned, because uh, other than just fun to look at, they don't really serve a purpose um, other than kind of knowing how many deer are out there but it's fun to do uh, I took the family out today and I still have a couple cards to look through hopefully you guys had a great weekend hopefully you like this podcast and uh, I'm gonna quit running my mouth here but before we do get into this podcast man I'm gonna keep this commercial short I just want to tell you that lone wolf tree stands are a kick-ass tree stand um, you've heard me talk about them a lot. Um, they are awesome for not only myself, a very mobile hunter, but they're perfect for the pu guy who hunts public and has to be mobile as well. Um, and that's kind of a trend here, right? It, they're easy to set up. 
They're easy to take down. They're made in America. They have a self-leveling system, so you can choose the not the not just uh, you're not hunting trees. You're hunting deer, right? So you can put this stand up it, just about any tree. It has that self-leveling um, technology. You guys definitely, if you're a hardcore hunter, you need to pick up a, a lone wolf tree stand. And uh, everybody says, oh, man, they're just a little bit more expensive. Well, save up and buy one, right? Because they are literally the best on the market now. Uh, and they're made in America, so that that's even better. Now, I was able to talk these guys into getting a discount for all of the listeners of the podcast, but well, it's kind of a, it's a, it's entering in a giveaway will allow you to get a discount code. So here's what you do. You need to go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. And you have to enter your name. You have to enter your email at first and last name and your email address. And what that does is that will get you entered into a giveaway that's going to take place on August 1st. We all, we had our first giveaway on uh, July 1st. So our next podcast is going to be, or our next uh, giveaway is going to be August 1st. And uh, we're going to be giving away a tree stand. Now, once you submit that, you're going to get a discount code. And uh, that discount code is, well, you got to sign up to get it. Now, uh, it's pretty easy to do. Again, lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. And uh, that discount code allows you to get $50 off all orders over $199. So basically 25% off. So uh, it's definitely something that you need to take advantage of uh, if you're listening to this right now. Now, Enough of the whoring out, enough of the mouth running. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this. Have a great day. Here's Will Cornett from Ohio. All right, everybody. Welcome back and welcome Will Cornett to the show. How are you doing today, Will? I'm doing well. How are you? I, dude, I can't complain. I'm a, I, before we get into all this, I got a funny story I got to share uh, with you, um, and it's the reason why I was a little late calling uh, calling you. So, okay, because I'm a smart ass. Um, today, my entire family came out and we checked trail cameras. Um, I, I drove right up to the cameras, uh, all but two of them anyway, and was able to, uh, you know, get out of the truck, go check them, get back in, and you know, not leave the family in the, the car. Then we went to my mom's house and, and, uh, my mom and stepdad, but they were out of town for the weekend or for the week this weekend and like the next couple days. And mm -hmm. they are, so we went there, um, and got stuff out of their garden because they're like, Hey, while we're gone, go get stuff out of the garden. We don't want it to go to waste. And I'm like, okay, so, so be, this isn't the first time I've done this either. So every time that they go out of town and I, for some reason, show up, I open every cabinet door in their entire house and I open every drawer in their entire house. And, you know, so when you walk in the kitchen, uh, it, it's like, what the hell just happened here? Right. And, and A break in, right. Right. So my mom 
my mom knows this, knows that I do that. And, you know, whenever she comes back, she'll call me up and she's like, you smart ass, you know, and all that stuff. It's kind of an inside joke. Well, <laughs> right. today, my sister-in-law and her and my nephew go over to the house after we leave and they go to feed the cat. Well, my nephew has to use the restroom. So he goes into the house and he comes out and he's like, all the cabinet doors are open. So <laughs> she calls the police to come out to the house saying that there's been a break-in. So she's like, hey, I just (laughs) want to let you know I called the cops. There must have been a break-in at my uh, mom and Jim's. And I'm just like, oh, my (laughs) God, that was me who did that. Oh, boy. And she's like, are you serious? I called the cops. And I'm like, yes, I do that all the time. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. It's your M.O., right? (laughs) Right. So I had to call her. I had to call her and just be like, uh, I wonder if I – get a call from the cops like did you take anything i'm like yeah i took some zucchini and some uh, green beans <laughs> from the garden I promise she told me to though yeah i promise <laughs> she told me i could so yeah uh <laughs> that'll be uh that'll be a funny conversation at the next family gathering oh absolutely <laughs> well how's your how's your summer going so far man the summer is going well this is uh this is actually my first summer in ohio and it's yes. uh, it's pretty humid down here oh yeah I'm not gonna lie where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in western New York, so kind of near um, Rochester, New York. Right. Um, you know, the summers there are pretty nice. The winters are pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, much hotter down here. And you, you guys got that uh, lake effect snow up in Buffalo, right? Oh, the yeah. Western New yep. York. Yeah. Yes, we got hammered with snow, that's for sure. Yeah. Every time uh, – every. Iowa gets it bad sometimes, but then I see like Western New York and, and even parts of Michigan that get that lake effect snow. And I'm just like, Oh my God, no, thank you. No, thank you at all. Right. Like I mean, down here, it barely snowed this year, but I mean, yeah. up in New York, there'd be times you would drag a deer out of the woods in a foot of snow. So yeah, it's just a little yeah. different. Yeah. That is crazy. Now you, so you started hunting in Western New York, right? Yeah. Yep. I lived there my whole life. Um, when I got out of school, I moved to Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Um, and then I just moved here last, last, uh, August. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I hunted in New York my whole life. So what made you leave New York? So I am a chiropractor. Right. And so I went to undergrad in New York and then I went to chiropractic school also in New York. Mm-hmm. When I got out of chiropractic school, I moved down to Pittsburgh, worked for a couple of years. Yep. And then my girlfriend and I got jobs here in Cincinnati um, last August. So then that brought me to Cincinnati. Nice. Um, I was okay with that. It's funny because my dad actually grew up in Cincinnati, which is very random because I never lived here before. So uh, right. we've kind of come full circle in that regard. Right, right. So it's funny, dude. Every time I meet a new chiropractor, it is they are all hardcore hunters. Every one of them. <laughs> like, uh, let's see, the guy, uh, uh, my buddy Kevin from Trad Geeks, he's a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a okay. guy who I went shed hunting with um, th- through Wired to Hunt. Uh, there's like five of those guys that are chiropractors. Uh, and then the really? chiro- yeah, the chiropractor that I go to, uh, 
He's a big time hunter. And then let's see the guy who I went to before him in a different town is a hardcore bow hunter. So there must be something about, there must be some kind of correlation between chiropractors and hunters. I know. I don't know what it is. Cause I, in chiropractic school, a lot of my friends hunted as well. Um, a lot of us got into duck hunting as well. Cause we were kind okay. of, we we're in the finger lakes of region of New York. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with that. Yep. Bunch of big lakes. Um, so we did a lot of duck hunting then too. But yeah, I don't know what it is with the chiropractors and deer hunters. Yeah. I don't know if you, if you could figure it out, you could probably make some money off of it. <laughs> Market that. Market that. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. The, the, the bat crackers association or right. something like that. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll have to think of a name for that. That's right. So now I got this question. You are, is she now your fiance or is she still just your girlfriend? She's my girlfriend still. Yeah. Okay. Still your girlfriend. All right. So yeah, like all these start, you know, how old are you now? I'm 28. You're 28. Okay. And how long have you been dating her? Um, two and a half years. Okay. Two and a half she, years. Um, she's actually also a chiropractor. Oh, she's also a chiropractor. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you're yeah. in, you so have she something got out of school in school about six months ago though. So she was in school for a while. We did the long distance thing for a while. Right. And now okay. she's here with me in Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay, cool. So when you guys first started dating, did you have the, I'm a hardcore bow hunter or I'm a hardcore hunter talk with her or did she find out or did you not have the conversation and she found out during hunting season when you're gone all the time? No, you know, I kind of lead with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not like the first thing I say, but I definitely, <laughs> uh, it's one of the early things I say. Um, I remember when we first started, you know, hanging out, I, uh, I had her try venison for the first time. Cause she comes from a family of, they, they just don't hunt. They never have. Um, and I remember she, uh, she said he, she called her mom and told her, and her mom was like asking her like, Oh, is it, is it cooked right? You know, you could get sick from that, <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, uh, very early on, I told her I was into hunting. Um, I mean, she was fine with it. Okay, so. cool. So then, so then, so she's cool with you disappearing for, you know, several weekends a year and, you know, at times weeks. You know, um, it's funny. I don't hunt the weekends that much because I hunt public land a lot. Right. And thankfully my schedule, I have, I actually work three half days a week. Right. So I actually hunt during the week a lot, which is awesome for public land. Um, but I mean, yeah, if I disappeared for a weekend, she'd be fine with that. She's not, she's not against me getting out there at all. Gotcha. <laughs> and now she likes medicine a lot, which is awesome. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So, and she can cook. <laughs> right. Oh, so that's a win-win. It's yeah. She makes some awesome dishes with the thing. <laughs> right. Better than right. I could do. Right. All right. So here's, here's the first question I want to ask you. Um, okay. before you went to school, before, you know, you were hunting uh, Western New York, what was it like hunting, gr you know, growing up hunting in Western New York? So Western New York is awesome deer hunting. Um, I had uh, I have a great aunt up in New York who she has, she has about 50 acres of land surrounded by a lot of other private land. 
it was a great spot to hunt. Um, but I mean, that's a kind of a small plot of land, so it's tough. Um, but New York's got great deer. It's just, they don't have as many great deer as Ohio because you can shoot a buck during bow season. You can shoot one during right. gun season. You can shoot one during muzzleloader season. So there's a lot of people that go out and do these big deer drives and they'll take down a ton of, you know, spikes and four points, whatever, which, you know, is fine if that's what you want to do. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, then sometimes the same people are like, are complaining, where are all the big deer? And it's like, right. well, last year you shot like three spikes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, no, it's great hunting up there. It's just, I think if they did more of the Ohio regulation, one buck a year, I mean, right. they would, they could get some monster deer out of New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew, I was hunting from a young age, like me and my, one of my good buddies, uh, we we got out of school and we'd go, we'd shoot birds and stuff with our BB guns, you know, that kind of got us into it. Right. And then it was, you know, woodchucks with 22s and then 14 years old, you could bow hunt in New York. So we got into bow hunting and then, you know, it just kind of went from there. And, you know, so now I really, I'm more into bow hunting now. I do gun hunt a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I also duck hunt a lot as well. So, okay. Was there a lot of pressure in Western New York growing up? Oh yeah. Ton of hunting pressure. Um, it's just, so I'm like an hour and a half South of Rochester, very rural New York, or that's where I grew up. Um, just a lot of hunters. Um, yeah, the pressure was high. So, but it is what it is. It's good to have hunters out there. Um, but you know, if you don't have a huge chunk of land, it's tough sometimes to really get a lot of mature deer. Um, and you know, that's just, that's part of the game. Right. Absolutely. Now, so, so you, you grew up hunting some high pressured stuff. You got to know some hunting areas and then what, you know, after it's all said and done, you moved, you moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How far was that from your, your hunting ground? And then did you go back to New York to hunt or did you try to find places to hunt in Pennsylvania? Yeah. So I actually, it was three and a half hours. And, um, I would drive home to hunt. Um, I just, I mean, I know there's some good hunting spots in Western Pennsylvania. I just, uh, you know, it was, it was tough. Just you had to find the right public land right outside of Pittsburgh. There wasn't a ton. So I had to drive a lot. So it was like, I already have some spots in New York half hours away. I'm going to make the drive. And then I got to see my dad who I hunted with my whole life. Some of my buddies I hunt with. So yeah. Cool. So you didn't put any time, any real time in around Pittsburgh area or, or, or PA? No, okay. no, not at all. All right. I mean, where so, I grew up is only 20 minutes from Pennsylvania. So. Oh, oh I got you. you know, but it, but it was a three yeah. hour drive from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, three and a half hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you were, so when you wanted to hunt, you had to put in some road hours. Um, all right. So then you moved to, you just recently moved to Cincinnati, right? Um, yes. And yep. did was, that was this this past year? Yes. Yep. Okay. So last August I moved here. All right. Now, did you say to yourself, okay, I need to find some places that are closer to Cincinnati or in, in Ohio? Or were you, I mean, had you still planned to go back to New York and, uh, and, and hunt? So 
moving to Cincinnati, knowing that my girlfriend, once she graduated, would also be coming here, kind of knew that this was more of a long-term thing. And also just the reputation that Ohio has for giant bucks, you know. Yeah. I knew that I was going to be hunting around here. And it's a seven-hour drive home from here to New York. Right. Um, which is just, you know, that's pretty tough to do regularly during, you know, September, October, November. Right. Um, so, yeah, I as soon as I moved here, I started looking online, just public land around Cincinnati, just going through the through different blogs and stuff, finding out places that you can hunt. People had success around, you know, it's, it's hit or miss on blogs just because, you know, people, if they're getting big deer on public land, they don't really want to, they don't want to say, okay, I'm getting giant deer on this plot of public land, <laughs> which is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I knew I was going to be hunting here. Okay. So, so that you're starting from scratch, right? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, so right I, off the bat, uh, right off the bat, what was the very first thing that you did, you know, after you got moved in, you got settled and you're like, okay, I'm a hunter or hell, it may have been even before you were moved in completely. What was the first thing you did to take steps to find property, um, in Ohio? First thing I did, um, was I just, I looked online, I looked at the ODNR website and just found the public lands around Cincinnati. Right. Um, and then also on the ODNR website, they have a list of farmers kind of around Cincinnati, you know, within like two hours, um, that will allow people to hunt their land. So I gave that a shot, but it was already into like late August at that point, And they were all, they were all full, which, you know, I knew that was late in the game. So that was kind of a dead end for me, but really I just, I found public land, um, went to the maps and just found spots that had ravines, water, um, some areas. I always look for areas that are far from the roads. So I wanted to find some big spots that had, you know, that you could really walk in pretty far. Um, so I found a spot and I just, I just, I went out there one day and just scouted it a little bit, put some cameras out. Right. Right. And this was the very first, I mean, this was spot number one, right? Yeah. How, how big of a property was this? So this is a pretty big property. I mean, we're talking, I don't know exactly how many acres it is. It's state land. It's all public land. Um, Probably a couple thousand acres, I would say. It's pretty big. Um, And then, you know, but it's used, it's not just people are horseback riding, um, hiking, that type of thing through there. So it's, people use it a lot. So, all right. So describe the terrain. and, And is this the property that you ended up harvesting your 2016 buck on? Uh, yeah. So this is actually, this is the only place I hunted. Oh, okay. So you found a place. It was the first place. It's pretty, you know, a lot of area. You did some scouting. What did that scouting look like for you? So the first time I went there, I just really, when I am scouting public land, I'm, I mean, I'm obviously looking for deer sign, but I'm more looking for areas where humans aren't or where they won't, they're not typically willing to go. Right. So, I mean, I, I parked in a you know, parking spot and I just, I hiked in about a mile and a half, just looking for, for trails, just for, um, any pinch points, um, thick cover ravines. Um, and I found some good spots. So I put, 
I think I ran, yeah, I ran three cameras, put some cameras out there just, uh, cause I had no idea what kind of deer were out there. Right. So yeah, put some cameras out. Um, and I would just, you know, I had to go every couple weeks to check them. But the reason I didn't go to any other spots is because I was, the time is limited because bow season in Ohio starts the end of September. So I just, I wanted to really focus on one spot or else I'd get spread too thin right. with just not enough time. So yeah, I just ran a lot of cameras and, uh, found spots where I could put my climbing tree stand and, uh, just, I wanted to have a few different options. So I, right. that's kind of what I had. I had three or four different options for tree stand placement spots and, um, yeah, that was that was basically my scouting. Okay, so it was, so it was pretty simple, nothing too in depth, right? You weren't you didn't go in looking for like any type of buck beds or look for no. uh, doe bedding areas or old sign. You just kind of went in looking for a general good area. So what I no, I definitely looked for bedding areas. So okay. there's definitely some thick thick spots that I found, um, and I'd kind of go through a little bit. I didn't want to go like walking traipsing through them. But I found bedding areas. Also, I was looking for ravines. I like to hunt ravines just because it's uh, it's almost like deer just, I don't know. It's like a highway for deer, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, I just I found ravines that I wanted, found bedding areas. And then I found water because I knew most of down here was a little warmer than New York. And, right. you know, they have to, deer got to drink. So, so yeah, I found those types of spots and that's how I determined where I was going to put my climber. Cause you can't put tree stands out on public land. So I use a climbing tree stand. Right. Okay. And so then you were able to set up some trail cameras, right? You found, you found some good locations. Um, and then what were your trail cameras telling you? They were not telling me much. I mean, I was getting deer, um, a lot of doe. I think the biggest deer I got was a small eight point. Um, okay. you know, not a big deer at all. Um, a lot of spikes, four points, that type of thing. I did not right. get really any big deer at all, which, okay. you know, it, that kind of sucks, but it is what it is. And I just found this spot. I wasn't really, my hopes weren't too high cause I just had no idea. Right. So yeah, the, the pictures weren't doing much for me. Um, okay. but yeah. All right. So, um, as you're scouting this piece of property, did you notice, um, a s- sign of any other human intrusion in there or did you kind of go as far back? I mean, in as possible, did you try to get off the roads as much as possible? What was your idea with that? Yeah. So there's uh basically the, where I was at, there was this big main trail that went in there, mostly used for horseback riding. Um, and then there would be little smaller trails that went off for horseback riding. Right. So basically I walked down the main trail and then just went into the woods and I would try to get as far away from the horseback riding trails as possible. Yep. Um, I just, when I'm out there, I don't want to see people. Right. Um, and the deer, I mean, they really don't want to either. Right. So I would just look for trails where people were walking or if it was horses and I would, I would have to you know, switch it up. I'd have to go kind of move away from them. Um, which was tough because there's a lot of trails in there. So one day I was actually hunting out there. I got down and I just walked out a different way and I found another trail that was actually pretty close to me, kind of behind me. So I had to keep switching it up just because there was trails place I hadn't been. Yeah. So, 
And when you yeah, mean trails, about a mile and a half. So when you mean trails, you mean hiking or horse trails, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. So you your your trail cameras weren't really telling you too much, other than there were deer there. Now, yep. did did you have any expectations of what you were kind of looking for from a piece of property like this? Or because it was your first year, were you more of a, Hey, whatever happens, happens type of scenario. So both, just because when you hear of Ohio, you think giant deer, but also it's public land. So I didn't know how many people were going to be out hunting. I didn't know what kind of hunting people do out there. If like during gun season, if there's, you know, a bunch of deer drives and everyone is just, if it's brown, it's down. Right. So I didn't, I just, I didn't know, but obviously, you know, I was realistic, but in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I want a big deer. Right. <laughs> obviously. So, so yeah, I guess both, I was, I was being realistic, but in the back of my mind, I was looking for something big. Right. And coming from Western New York, right. And, and only hunting there mm-hmm. previously, what was, yeah. I mean, what's a, what's a big deer or a good deer in Western New York? Well, I mean, they're Western New York. I mean, they, people have got some very big deer out of there. So the 200 inch deer, people have done it around there, but it's super rare. Um, a a nice deer for New York, um, 115, 120 inch deer. That would be, that'd be a nice deer. Um, and that's the land is perfect. There's a lot of agriculture, that type of thing, but it's just, it's more of the regulations that, you know, people can shoot a lot of bucks. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I was looking for something 120 inches. Okay. Because, you know, New York at, you know, from, from doing this podcast and talking with several people falls in that same mm-hmm. category as Michigan and Pennsylvania, you know, the, the highly hunted, you know, low, low buck maturity. A lot of people are killing spikes. A lot of people are killing four corns, you know, basically a lot of yeah. down hunters, which is, you know, fine. But from a, from a, a quality standpoint, you know, a lot of deer are not reaching maturity in those States. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's hard to really complain about it. Cause I get it. Like a, a young hunter out there, he wants to you know, because I was at the same spot. I mean, the first deer I ever shot was a a little a little four point buck, right. and I understand that. And then some people there's they want the meat, so they don't really care what they shoot. Um, but it definitely it makes it tough in those states that you just mentioned to uh, to find the bigger deer. Right, right. All right. So now you're hunting Ohio and. You know what was your? I mean, so your expectation in Ohio was a 120 class. That's what you were thinking you would be happy with, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'd be very happy okay. with 120 inch deer. Yeah. All right. So your trail cameras weren't showing that there was a 120 inch deer. And as from an age class no. perspective, like a, a 120, three, three year old, two year old. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I'd be looking for. Um, really on the camera, I was getting probably one and a half, two and a half year old deer. I don't, I don't think there's anything older than that. Okay. You know, maybe the doe, but as far as bucks, yeah, right. there wasn't. I wasn't seeing anything older than that. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Now, you you got 
you got your property kind of lined out. Um, you figured out where you're going to go. You got your trail cameras. You weren't seeing too much on camera. Um, when did you actually start to get in there and hunt that property? So the season started, I believe, September 24th or 27th, something like that, right. which I think was a Saturday. So I get in, I got in the Monday after that. So pretty quick. I got in there early. Right. Um, just, you know, I wanted to hunt. I wanted to see what was going on out there. And, um, yeah, so I went out there. It was probably 80 degrees, which was bizarre for me. I've never hunted in that temperature. Right. So, you know, I get out there. The first time I go out, I drag my climber out with me. Right. I get out there a mile and a half and get up in the tree I want to go to, and uh, I'm sweating. So, I, you know, I don't know how I saw any deer at all that day because I was just a sweaty mess. Right. Um, so I ended up seeing a few doe that day. Right. Nothing. I didn't see any bucks, nothing big for sure. Um, but, but yeah, that was my first time out and I wanted to get away from the land. And I actually uh, hunted that same spot a couple more times and only saw a doe. I didn't see anything big. So from there, I just kind of, I moved deeper into the property. I kept moving farther, but what I do is this might be dumb, but I leave my tree stand out there just kind of at the bottom of the tree. I take it off the tree, just put it at the bottom of the tree. Yeah. I mean, it's risky. You can get stolen, but I just don't want to drag it in there every time. Right. I'm walking a lot of guys, would, a lot of guys would call that dumb. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, it is what it is. I just, I don't want to be sweaty when I get out there. I don't want to be clanging the climber around while I'm walking out there. So right. it's a risk, but it is what it is. And I don't have like the greatest climbing tree stand in the world. It's, so it's not like anything crazy. expensive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my first few times out there hunting and, uh, it was just, I didn't see much, but I, I learned a lot and I adjusted from that. So, so, so yeah. first off, what did you learn specifically? I learned where I was at that basically I was only another thing is I only hunted the afternoons. I didn't hunt the morning at all. Right. But what I learned was where I was at, I was only seeing doe for whatever reason. I was only seeing doe. So I moved deeper in and I got closer to the bedding areas that I had found. Okay. Um, so I kind of kept creeping closer and closer until I, you know, I found the right spot, um, which took about a month, month and a half. Um, right. You know, and so I moved closer to the bedding areas, started seeing some smaller bucks, some of them that I seeing on camera and some of them that I had and they, they were new bonus ones. Um, right. So yeah, I just, I was kind of creeping close to the bedding areas. I didn't want to get too close, but that was my adjustment I was making, just getting closer to the bedding areas. Yeah. So it, by this time you were, you know, you kind of had a plan in action and that was get closer to what you found, what you felt were bedding areas until you started seeing bucks. Um, but, but this was in October, right? Um, when I, the first time I went out was September, right. very end, but then, yeah, it was October. So the first spot I went was real close to water and just bucks weren't hitting that spot. I don't know if they weren't hitting at all. It just, it seemed like it just wasn't during daylight. They weren't hitting the water. Right. So I was just, I kind of went away from that plan as it got cooler and cooler. Um, so yeah, just went from the water to closer to the bedding area. Right. Okay. Now. 
with that said, um, knowing that the rut it doesn't kick off in Ohio until, you know, late October, you know, the, the three weeks of November, just like every place else. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you feel that you were, you know, you were putting yourself unwanted pressure on that property by, you know, going in there that many times between September and October? So I, I did, but after the first couple of times when I really wasn't seeing a ton and I knew I had to adjust, it was kind of one of those things where I was, I was telling myself in my head, like, this is kind of a learning experience for me. I'm learning this property. If anything, I can learn some stuff from next year. Right. So yeah, I obviously wanted to do something that year, but I was still learning at the time. So I was just, it was just, you know, I was just gunning it. I was going out there, switching my tree stand spots just based on what I was seeing yep. until I, uh, until I found the right one. Okay. And did you get busted at all? Did you feel that you had uh, good access routes into that area? I did because I walked the main trail out there, which it's not, it's not like a road or anything, but it's a pretty well-worn trail. Um, right. So I was quiet. And then I had some good, I'd mostly walk down horse paths to get to where I wanted to go. And then I have to walk through the woods a little bit. But for right. the most part, I did pretty well going in. And I didn't hunt the morning at all because just really from with what, how my schedule works. And right. the morning's tough when you're going into places you don't know that well because that's when you, you're walking in the woods and you're hearing the doe blowing at you and all that. Okay. And when you're walking in the dark, it's just tough. So, yeah, it, I didn't really get busted too much walking in. I think maybe one time. Right. And were you hunting mornings or evenings? During that only early evenings. season period, only evenings. Okay, only evenings. Yep. I didn't hunt the morning one time. Right. So you mentioned you did saw, see some deer, and it, you were able to learn for, from it. But what were the deer doing? What was the pattern at the time that you were that you were learning? So when I was seeing the doe, it was typically doe with their fawns, and they were just they were doing their thing. They were just kind of walking through, going to the water. Um, as I got closer to the bedding area, it was like they were just cruising through, going from, you know, bedding area to water, that type of thing. Right. Um, the water back to bedding area. Um, so early in the season, up until probably the last week of October, there was no rutting action going on. Right. I'd see a couple bucks. It was late. It was right before dark. And they were just cruising through. Here's another thing is there's a ton of acorns around there. So they're chomping on them. Um, that's also another thing I was obviously looking for is acorns. And, uh, the, the only issue was that there was a ton of them. So it wasn't like a, this one spot that was great. Um, so yeah, they were, they were feeding mostly and then just cruising in between, uh, feeding the bedding area. Okay. And then was this big timber or was there any ag in the area? Big timber. I mean, there, there was agriculture in the area, but it wasn't real close just because it was, it's a state land plot, so the agriculture nearby was, you know, it'd probably be a half a mile away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not much agriculture around, mostly big timber. Okay. So, you started moving in on these, uh, on this bed, you know, was it just one particular bedding area that you were, were moving in on? Or were there several different areas that you were kind of bouncing back and forth between? Pretty much, I was just focused on one bedding area, just because okay. of my the time I had to scout. I found one, 
And then I really gotcha. focused on that. Gotcha. Now, as the season progressed and you started, you know, getting in deeper into this specific and hunting this specific bedding area, did you notice any sign start to pop up? Yes. Yeah, so when it got, you know, I, I'd seen some rubs and that type of thing. Um, as I was getting closer to the bedding area, I was starting to see more scrapes, um, which is obviously, you know, that's, that's encouraging. Right. Um, and, and I was, it got to the last week of October and then I started seeing a little rutting action. Right. Um, but it was, it was still immature box. So year and a half year old deer, um, right. you know, they were chasing dough through, um, which was, you know, it's awesome to watch. It's very fun to watch. I was taking videos and stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, once I got to the end of October, then things started to heat up, which was, that's what really what I was looking for. And I was in a good area because I had, eventually as I was moving closer to this bedding area, I found this green spot right next to a ravine that had tons of deer sign and it was very open. So I was in a climber, so I had, you have to look for the right tree. And I found a great tree with some cover behind it, but also had a ton of open areas to shoot with a lot of deer trails going through. So I was just thinking, there's a lot of doe going through here. When the rut picks up, the bucks are going to follow. So you never know what can happen, even though I hadn't been seeing anything big. Right. So. so it was just the principle, uh, you know, the principles of hunting downwind of a bedding area that you were, that you were going to be using. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Cool. Yep. So were you still running trail cameras at this point? Uh, no, because I had, I had taken them out of there at this point. Um, I don't, just because I know there's gonna be more people out there hunting. I typically, I just didn't want to leave them out there. I didn't know how many hunters were be out there. Um, okay. you just, you never know who's going to be out there. So, right. okay. So you, so you weren't using, you, you really weren't using any camera Intel, right? On the, on this, this, up, no, this past I, year. I pulled them more towards the beginning of October. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, so now you have, you know, it's starting to get closer. The deer are starting to move a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. When, was there a time when you started seeing more deer movement pick up? You, you started feeling good about this area or was it the, you know, was it the opposite? Were you just like, Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm not seeing what I want. It's Ohio. There's supposed to be big deer there. What, you know, what's the problem? (laughs) Yeah, so the last up until the last week of October, it it was fairly slow. Once yeah. that last week hit, though, it was like a, a switch went off, right. and a lot of it was because a you know a cold front for Ohio came through, which really still was not that cold. It was maybe right. you know mid forties, right? Um, and and that just it was that and the timing at the end of October, and it just everything just switched deer running around that type of thing so and i like i said i had young bucks chasing doe around but i still didn't see anything big until the first week of november that's when i got the big guy coming through okay and the first week of november um was this a, a deer that you saw before i mean was this what okay so explain the the particular tree when you went in into 
this, you're, you're, you found a doe bedding area, right? You knew where you wanted to, yeah. to set up. You, you mentioned that depending on the wind directions, you were bouncing, you know, around cause you had a climber and you could. Yeah. When you, was this a morning hunt or an afternoon hunt? Afternoon. So the spot that I found, I found a ravine. So in the ravine, it was all muddy. It wasn't really water. There was tracks everywhere. So I crossed it, went up onto this, uh, um, it's just kind of this, this oak, this oak flat between two ravines and there was just trails all over the place through there. And then it was probably, we're, we're talking 200 yards from the bedding area. Right. Um, so, you know, I just, I instantly thought, okay, this is a good spot. I found a tree that it was obviously had to be a straight tree with no limbs on it, but it had cover behind it. So I found right. a perfect tree. Um, wind was great for the bedding area. Right. And so I, I hunted the tree the first time and this is the end of October now. Okay. And I saw, I saw young bucks running though, which was great. Um, but nothing mature, but I knew I had a good spot and you know, it was a big area. You never know what can come over from neighboring properties. So I figured I would stick with this spot. Okay. First week in November, I go in there. Right. And, you know, this is when it all worked out. I go to the same exact spot and I see young deer chasing doe all afternoon. This is afternoon hunt. And uh, finally, it's getting, I don't remember what time it was. It was probably an hour before it got dark. And from behind me, I just heard crashing coming through. So I turn around and I see a doe running kind of through through this thicket she pops out into this area that's open okay. and so i'm just watching her i hear a deer behind her to me i'm thinking it's probably you know it's one of the deer i've been seeing a, a young one and a half two and a half year old buck and then out pops this just massive buck and i was just i couldn't you know it was one of those things i couldn't believe i had never been out hunting to see a deer that big before right, right and she just kind of walked out right in front of me 20 yards he followed and it happened that quick. I just pulled back, 20-yard broadside, hit him perfect, and he ran 10 yards and dropped. And I'm really <laughs> glad that it happened that quick because, it, I mean, this is all a matter of, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, like, if yeah. it happened much quicker than that, I would have started shaking and that whole thing. But it happened quick enough that I really didn't even have time to think about it. I right, saw the right. handles real quick, just pulled back, 20-yard broadside, hit him right through the lungs, he went he literally only went 10 yards and just dropped so it's one of those things i'm just i'm watching this deer i've been waiting for my whole life just <laughs> drop right in front of me right right, right <laughs> and right. uh yeah so it was november um november 7th i believe i think it was a monday afternoon and uh i just, i couldn't believe it. i just sat there and watching and just looking at the deer and it was dead right in front of me <laughs> um so yeah that was uh that was an exciting moment <laughs> so <laughs> This doe started working her way through, and he was following her, right? Yeah, he was just dogging her. And uh, I I think what I'm thinking is he just came from a neighboring property because I had been running cameras. I had been out there hunting probably six or seven times before that, and I had never seen him at all. Right. So it's one of those things. It was, you know, luck has to play into it. And I oh, absolutely. definitely played into it. 
And uh, I just I had to give myself the best chance to succeed, put myself in the best spot where I was going to be seeing deer um, during the rut, and it just it worked out perfect. Right, right. Um, did when you were in there, did you notice any signs start to open up, like scrapes or rubs in that area? Maybe like he'd been through there before, or do you think this is a um, yeah. an example of a doe just? dragging a buck where you know this doe's getting ready to be in heat and this is the this is the dominant buck in the area and he was following the first hot doe yeah so i i was starting basically from the middle of october i was starting to see scrapes right um and then as far as rubs go i had seen rubs nothing nothing that i would think would have came from him and i know that they can you know the big deer can still make the smaller rubs on a bunch of little trees but I just didn't see anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think any of the rubs I saw were actually from him. Um, with the scrapes, it's tough to say. Um, I didn't see any any tracks that led me to believe there was something huge in the area. So I think it was just a case of, you know, he was going after this doe. And he was trailing her, and she just she brought her to the wrong spot. Or she brought him to the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so this just, so you, you feel that, I mean, you did set up, set up over a doe bedding area, but this is one of those things, man. It's kind of like what happened to me last year where, I mean, I actually had Intel going into there knowing that this, you know, there was a four-year-old running around in this, uh, in the area, in this particular area of the farm. But yeah, I mean, you, you set up in what would be, uh, um, just a generally good downwind of a bedding area right off a ridge and you, and then the rest was just luck, right? Right. I just, I gave myself the best chance I thought I could right. by finding a spot near the bedding area with a lot of trails where I'd seen deer, especially doe going through okay. and I knew the rut was coming up and yeah, I just, I need to put myself in the best spot to see deer because I knew he'd be chasing the, the does around. Right. And uh, just he just happened to come through that day. Right. So because you didn't, I mean, you didn't know this deer, this is the biggest buck you ever shot, right? Oh, yeah, by far. By far, right? By far, yeah, by far. So you drew back. You It, it happened real fast, like a boom, boom, boom. You, you shot him. You, you saw, oh, him, fall, you saw yeah. him fall over dead, right? Yeah, he ran 10 yeah. yards. 10 yards, right? Did he know you yeah. were there when you, um, did you have to stop him at all? Oh, no. He had no idea. He, he was focused on the doe the whole time. She walked right. out and she stopped, you know, she came out of a thicket. She came out first. He was still in the thicket, probably, I don't know, five, 10 yards behind her. She walked a little bit further. He came out of the thicket, was standing in the clearing where she was, just right. staring at her. And, that's when I just, I pulled back, put the pin on him and let it fly. Um, and that's, that's really all there was to it. And I'm, like I said, I'm really glad it happened that quick. Cause if I had been on, maybe on a field watching him come across the field at me from, you know, hundred, 200 yards, I, you know, that's when the shakes start to happen. And right. you start to second guess distance. Like, Oh, is it 20 yards? Is it 30 yards? Is it, you know, do I have time to get my, my range finder out? You know, right. <laughs> Right. That's Absolutely. when you start to overthink everything. And this, I really just didn't have time. I, I range find when I get in a tree, I just, I range find 
spots nearby, just have an idea of distances before a deer comes. Cause I don't like, I don't want to, I don't like to pick up my range finder while there's a deer around. Sometimes you have to. Um, so I just, you know, he was at a spot that was 20 yards and, uh, just pull back and let it fly. Right. Man. So you shot the biggest buck of your life right after the arrow went and you saw them drop. What was the first thing that, uh, went through your mind? <laughs> well, I was kind of just, once he fell and he was dead, I was just staring at the antlers and I couldn't believe it. And I was trying to figure out how big he was. Yeah. So the first thing, I mean, I text, I text my dad and my brother-in-law and I told them right. and I just, you know, cause that's what I've hunted with my whole life. And I told him I shot a huge deer and it was right there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, so really, did they I believe you? Girlfriend, he, yeah, but they didn't, you know, when I said huge, you know, they're probably thinking 120, 130 inches. Right. They're not, they're not thinking the deer that I got. Um, so then I had to text my girlfriend because I knew that she was really the only one around at the time that was, uh, that I could help me, which yeah. that was a funny situation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, then when I got down and my girlfriend had to come out there to help me, um, we did the pictures and stuff, sent them to my dad, brother-in-law, some of my buddies. And that's when, you know, the phone calls started coming in. I'm trying to get the deer. And <laughs> right. Right. So, so you took so yeah, this, yeah. You, you did, did your girlfriend have to help you drag him out of the woods? She did, which is awesome. Um, she's, a, she's that's a, a trooper. Total, that's a keeper right there. Oh, absolutely. She's a total stubborn athlete too. Yeah. Um, so, and I needed the help. I mean, this thing's 250 pounds. Right. So he's huge and I, I needed the help. So luckily I had to drive my car back there on the main trail. So I didn't have to drag, we didn't drag him out, um, you know, two miles, but we still had dragon probably, I don't know, four or 500 yards, which I mean, is that was, that was tough. Um, right. but you know, I'm running on adrenaline at that point. Absolutely. And, uh, she was, you know, she was totally into it. <laughs> she was, she yeah. couldn't believe I mean, she hadn't seen a lot of deer in her life, and then she sees this thing. She's like, holy cow, it looks like an elk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, so this is actually another funny thing is I uh, I only had a car. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> Didn't have a truck. Yeah, so I brought a tarp with me, not knowing that I was going to have this thing. Um, so on the way to the processor, I we get it in there. We get it into my car, which that was a chore in itself. Right. Antlers are sticking out of my trunk. It's back feet are hanging on my shoulders in the driver's seat. That's how big this thing was. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> so that was my situation driving about 20 minutes to the processor. Right. So when you got out of the tree stand and you put your hands on him for the first time, like, were you in shock or were you just like, Oh my God. Like, describe oh, I couldn't that. believe it. I couldn't believe it. Cause like I was saying, I mean, 120 inch deer, I mean, that's, that would have, I would have been in shock of that. Yeah. This deer is more 170 inches. And, uh, and I don't know for sure on that. I, the whole thing went so quick. I never even got him measured or anything before I sent him to the, to the taxidermist. So I don't right. know exactly what he scores. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just like timing points. I'm like looking at 
the mass he has and just yeah. the spread. The spread I got the spread. The spread was twenty one and a half inches. Yeah. And I just I couldn't I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was pretty surreal. Right, right. So and so you don't have an official measurement of him, but you're you're guessing he's some somewhere in the low one seventies. So yeah, I I mean I put the picture online and uh I had people I had people guessing 200 inches. I don't, he's not that. <laughs> no. Um, he's, you know, he's more, he's probably around 170. I don't know if it's the 160s yeah. or the 170s, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a big deer. Yeah. And 21, 21 inside is a, a really good measurement. Right. Yeah. He was, that was the only measurement I actually, I was able to get at 21 and a half. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I should be getting the mount back here any day and awesome. then i'll uh i'll awesome. get the actual the actual measurement and score so, on him so then do you happen to know how old he was because from the picture that you sent me this the only picture you sent me his head looks huge mm-hmm. he, i mean he just looks like a bigger deer um i yeah i have no idea i mean if i had to guess he's got to be at least at least four and a half but he's probably older than that yeah i mean he's He's an old deer. Right. Yeah. Um, that's an awesome buck. Congratulations, man. So, um, thank you. So, you shot this buck. Did you see any other deer out there that, you know, while you were hunting this one or maybe even after this, you know, after the buck? Because, you know, even though you shot this buck, you. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of season left and you, you know, it's still a new property. Did you do any scouting or continue going in there and and trying to find deer and deer sign after you harvested this buck? Yeah. So I actually put a camera out immediately after I shot him when I was out there. Right. And it was that point I was riding a high and I was like, man, if someone steals my camera, I don't even care. Right. (laughs) Right. So, cause I knew I wasn't going to be going back out there much that cause I was basically done hunting unless I wanted to get a doe. Right. Um, so yeah, I put a camera out and I actually did get a, an eight point. It was probably a two and a half year old eight point, yeah. um, which is great because, you know, he's going to be bigger the next year. Um, I haven't, I've been, I've had cameras out this year. I haven't gotten anything huge. So I haven't seen him, whether or not he's another bonus buck that was just roaming over from property. Like the big guy I got, I don't know. Right. Or maybe somebody got him it's tough to say, but this year has basically been the same. I've been getting a lot of doe on cameras in that same spot and young deer. Right. But I'm also, I found another plot of, um, public land, more of a, uh, more of a swampy area. Right. And I've got a couple nice bucks on camera there so far. So I'm pretty excited about that. Cool. Do you think, yeah. uh, um, do you think you kind of found a spot where, you found the doe bedding area and the, the, the bucks are probably a majority of the mature bucks are on that other property that crossed the line to come and check this doe bedding, bedding area. So that's really, that's what it's looking like just because the deer that I got, I pretty positive. That's what happened. And then the one I got on camera was only a few days after that. And, uh, yeah, so he, uh, I hadn't seen him before that. I haven't seen him since. So it's looking like it's the same situation as he's 
yeah. following Doe over there during the run, which right. I'm totally fine with. I mean, I'll if I have a great rut spot, then that is awesome. Right. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit before we before we end here. Um, and, for, you know, for everybody who wants to see a picture of this uh, buck, you can go to Facebook and I'll have it posted there and I'll have it posted on the Nine Finger Chronicles uh, uh, website as well. But uh, mm-hmm. you're a chiropractor. So yeah. and is this a chiropractor of your of your own business or are you do you work for somebody? So I work for someone. I look. I work at um, Mount Lookout Chiropractic and Sports Injury Center. So it's, right. it's ten minutes outside of Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati. Right. Um, it's actually it's a big practice that's been around for thirty years. Yeah. So I, I'm that we have seven chiropractors right now, two physical therapists, acupuncture, massage therapy. We've got a lot of stuff going on there. It's I mean it's a huge practice. It's one of the biggest practices in the country, right. and um, basically the the owner, the guy who started it, he he started it 30 years ago, but now he goes around to all the chiropractic colleges and teaches classes on adjusting, on diagnosing, that type of thing. Right. So my girlfriend um, was his rep for our school, so she knew him real well. And basically, they were looking for two people at the same time. So we, uh, we took advantage of it, and now we're working at this awesome practice, um, Cincinnati is a great town and right. obviously the deer hunting is great down here. Um, so it, you know, I can't complain. Everything is going great as far right. as, uh, chiropractic goes. <laughs> right. So what I'm getting at though, is your schedule, right? You, you mm-hmm. don't have a full weekend to hunt because of your schedule. So describe your schedule and describe how you, you know, how much vacation you got and how you maybe use your schedule to, yeah. You know, to, to its so, most optimum advantage, I guess. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm really, as far as hunting goes, my schedule is pretty much perfect. So I work Monday mornings and that's it. I'm done at one. Yeah. I work Tuesday and Wednesdays all day. And then I work, um, Thursdays and Friday afternoons. So I have those mornings right. and then I work, I work Saturday morning, three hours. So, if you're hunting public land to be able to hunt during the week is awesome because there's not going to be many people out there. Right. Um, and if I had to take, honestly, this year I didn't have to take any time off for hunting because I tagged out pretty early. Um, and I was mostly hunting just Monday afternoons. Um, so it was perfect. If I had to take a Saturday off three hours, not really a big deal. I mean, I could pretty much do that as much as I want. But, um, yeah, I mean, I basically have a perfect hunting schedule. <laughs> right. So do you, I mean, how much vacation do you get? Um, two weeks Two okay. Two weeks. So you have enough yeah, time two to weeks. where yeah, two weeks. Yeah. you can take a couple days off to make it like, a, you know, five days in a row or, or, oh, yeah. you know, seven, eight days in a row to, uh, to really focus then. Yeah, I could absolutely do that. I just, last year I didn't have to. Right. This year is going to be tough to be able to do that because we have to go to eight weddings between now and October. <laughs> so we're going to be taking like Friday, Saturdays off here and there. Um, oh my Lord. Eight weddings? Yeah. I yep. remember I remember bunch, I had a summer. New York. 
Yeah, I remember I had a, a a summer where I had to go to like seven. And I was just like towards the end of it. I'm like, I know these people are my friends, but I'm not going to give them a twenty five dollar <laughs> gift card to Target because <laughs> you know, like right, right. It just stacks up hotel costs and all that shit. And I I was oh, into, yeah. I was in two of them, so uh, you know that's tux rental and all that. And I'm just like, man, all I want to do is. Uh, take this money and actually buy more trail cameras or buy, you know, right. buy di- right. something different so or hunting gear. So, <laughs> well, I tell yeah. you what, um, oh. I really appreciate you taking time out of your uh, day, Will, and, and coming on the podcast and sharing your story of this, uh, g- absolutely giant buck that you shot in Ohio. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I had a fun time with it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's always fun to talk about it. Um, still one of those things you tell the story and you're just like holy cow i uh yeah i got a boomer still on my not quite sure how this all came together yeah <laughs> right 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 <laughs> hey and i tell you what like you said there's there's definitely years where um i have a i have a friend and uh he lives in iowa and he went out to a piece of public land one day and he's just like, I, I have no idea really what I'm doing. He's, he sat on a bucket, you know, this really thick, you know, <laughs> in a real big thicket. And a 205-inch buck stepped out of uh, out of this thicket, and he shot it and dropped it. And it was his, uh, wow. one, of the, one of the first bucks he's ever shot. Wow, that makes for a good day. That's, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, uh, is he pretty picky now? Uh, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, um, <laughs> at picky because i think that was one of the first deer he'd ever shot actually so yeah, <laughs> yeah. so anyway man yeah. good luck good luck this upcoming season all right thank you you too another podcast in the books huge shout out to will for coming on the podcast and uh sharing that story of his biggest buck ever Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to this podcast, download it. Please go to iTunes, uh, leave a review or leave a review wherever you download this podcast. Go and uh, join me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A lot of cool stuff going through all those platforms as well. Um, Keep an eye out for happy hours. Keep an eye out for, I don't know. Just keep an eye out. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot of crap. Uh, huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Lone Wolf, Exodus, Ozonix, Gearhead, Wasp Archery, Ripcord, Deer Lab, Bighorn Outfitters. And I think that's it. Um, thanks to my wife for being patient with me. And uh, what else? I just had to thank everybody. So uh, thank you to my mom and dad for having sex back in 1980 and i think that's it i think i'm done with thank yous guys have a great week please go sign up for the national deer alliance uh get educated get informed and uh you know start to voice your opinion uh we got to unite and unite our voice and the national deer alliance is going to do that I'm going to be asking for a big favor from each and every one of you uh, to help support the National Deer Alliance. It's going to happen um, relatively soon. We're still in a uh, a planning stage, but there's going to be something big coming down the pipe. Um, I'm getting involved. Look for me on this upcoming Wednesday. I'll be on Coffee and Deer uh, on the National Deer Alliance Facebook page. 
And other than that, guys, have a great week. And remember, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Thank you.